0: All right. We have Senator, State Senator, Colorado State Senator Cook joining us here. John Cook, former sheriff of Weld County District. Oh, boy. 13. 13. Okay. Thank you. Lucky 13. Lucky lucky 13. Well, my name is Jason, so for me, 13 is lucky. (laughs) so all right let's let's start off with a little bit about uh colorado update here we had a we had a very interesting 2021 from uh from the covid side of things but uh, the regulations seem to really kind of wait till the end of the year before a lot of changes came in but there have been some changes in 2020 with uh oil and gas regulations haven't there
1: yeah yes quite a few um yeah you know and i'm gonna get a little political here um you know Governor wouldn't know the, um, the truth if it hit him in the face because you know, he he talked about um, hey the war on oil and gas is over it's time to move on and you know promote you know business and and then he turns around and um, like two days after he says that the war on oil and gas is over he turns around and the um, oil and gas commission um, cogcc uh, that he appoints. Um, with no Republicans on there, mind you, all, uh, Democrats or independents that lean left and, um, all far left environmentalists, um, turn around two days later and propose a 2000 foot setback from basically any dwelling, any house, any dwelling, um, and with, but, uh, they could give some variances. And, um, so yeah, they, there's a lot of restrictions going on, um, not only on the setbacks, but on air quality control and wildlife restrictions. so um, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a tough year for oil and gas in Colorado.
0: Let me jump in for just a second here because when I was down in Colorado a few months ago, like I want to say October, maybe September there there was I talked to a number of state officials and they basically said that well, there's kind of a truce going on and you know, the the, the governor and the oil and gas industry and the government officials, they're they're working together till after the election's done, then they're going to meet once again. And that's at least the impression was that there was going to be some sort of meeting collaboration to see if there can be some sort of uh, agreement moving forward. Um, What what you just said made me think of that. Was that the case? Was there this kind yeah. of this truce? And then, because to me, it seems like the governor just did exactly what he did when he got elected.
1: Right. Yeah, no, uh, Yeah. there were meetings, but there was no collaboration. It was uh, the government or COGCC telling oil and gas how it's going to be. You know, oil and gas would come in with uh, with um, evidence, and sci- well, scientific evidence, and then they would hear from environmentalists who, you know, uh make up stuff that you know that's uh pulls on people's emotions and they um didn't listen to what oil and gas had to say and uh, they uh, uh you know the the commission like i said one of the commissioners said look if i could do a mile setback i would do it and you know so it's, the commission is really anti-oil and gas and like i said the governor tried to give that impression by saying oh the war is over And we're going to work together. But then the commission, literally two days later, came out with um, two thousand foot setbacks, and which is going to be very difficult for um, uh, oil and gas to uh, abide by. It's going to be, you know, even here in Weld County. Um, And so, yeah, there was, like I said, no no collaboration. And you know, and then the staffers. I don't know if you heard about this. The staffers of the COGCC were testing a new um, email system or computer system, and they accidentally sent emails to the oil and gas companies, and it was supposed to be an internal email, but they called um, uh, oil and gas companies, uh, basically one company was identified as 666, the other one was um, identified as that Dr. Seuss character, the. Uh,
0: can't think of what it is right now. Um, Grinch? But, no, not the Grinch. Um,
1: not, not it's not laser It's um, uh, Lernix or something like that. Oh, Lorax. Lorax, yeah. It was, it was called one company
0: the Lorax. So um, snake oil was another one. Yes,
1: yeah, snake oil. And so they called all these companies, you know, um, those names. And so that just gives you um, the idea of how much. Uh, the COGCC is anti-industry
0: in well, the state, and that's a very important part. In fact, we had I'm trying to believe. I'm trying to remember who it was who we had on. We had on uh, somebody from the state, and I I asked the question because I I think it is a real question. At what point does this become discrimination? From I mean, because this is not only rank prejudice but now there's actually examples in a body of work that's being done here. This is not finger pointing or even political, but when you can start citing multiple examples about things that are getting to the point to where you can say that's rank prejudice, that's discrimination, when does the state step in? Is there an ethics commission? Is there any sort of uh, you know recourse on something like this? Or is it, hey, bend over and take it, buddy? Yeah, basically, it's uh, (laughs) over and take
1: it. Um, There is an ethics commission, but it doesn't have anything to do with, um, you know, government regulations. It more has to do with political violations. Um, But the only recourse, really, is the courts. And because some of these regulations, in my opinion, are takings. And it's a violation of our state constitution to have the state um, do a taking without, you know, compensation. And so these mineral uh, right owners, who are not now going to be able to uh, develop their minerals, um, uh, have uh, had the government had a taking from them, and so they're going to be out money. So I think the, what we're going to see is a series of lawsuits against some of these regulations, um, based on, uh, like you said, the discrimination, but also on the takings that the government is doing to not only the oil and gas companies but the individual landowners who depend on these minerals. I was talking to a. Um, dairy farmer. It was about a year or so ago when uh, 112 was up on the ballot, and he said, "If that passes, I'm going to have to fold my uh, dairy farm. I, I can't make it on on just dairying. I have I depend on uh, oil and gas mineral rights and the future mineral rights that I have under the ground to to survive. So, I think that's where we're going to see um, the the direction that the state is headed um, when it comes to these regulations.
0: I was sort of rumor, and I thought I checked it one time that the the governor uh, Jared Polis, before he was elected, he had written a book called the Colorado Blueprint. Are you familiar with that? Yeah. Yes. What, yeah. Do, do, do you him. have a short version of just kind of the history behind that?
1: Yeah, it wasn't just him. There was um, there were four of them, and basically, it's the you know Democrat big donors, and they came up with a. What they called the blueprint on how to take Colorado back, and they poured millions and millions of dollars into uh, getting Democrats elected, and um, and the, and redistricting. So um, they got control of one of the chambers. They redistrict. Well, um, the Republicans had one chamber; the Democrats had the other. And the Democrats knew that um, if they didn't cooperate and if they stuck to their guns on the redistricting, it would go to uh, a Denver district court. was appointed by uh, Democrat governors and a Democrat judge, and that they would win. And so the judge sided with the Democrats for the last two times we redistricted. But that was part of their plan, was to put uh, Democrats in in the chambers. And it worked, because now we have uh, a Democrat Senate and a Democrat House and a Democrat governor, and we have very little power to stop them. So that was part of the blueprint, was to pour money into Democrat candidates, get them elected. And then take over the state, pretty much uh, what they've done.
0: You look at states like North Dakota, New Mexico came out with some recent numbers. Uh, North Dakota, anywhere from 50 to 60% of the general budgets tied to the uh, two oil and gas taxes. And then in New Mexico, like I said, a bunch of the yes. tax dollars came out as how much reliant they are as well. I'm not sure about Colorado. I know Wyoming is pretty. Pretty heavy into energy, but they've got a lot of coal and, and uh, natural gas and, and to go with their oil and gas or to go with their oil expiration, But where, where's the disconnect? Because it seems that there's a lot of public officials who do not understand where the taxes come from. Does that Great. make sense? <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> no, sorry, that, that I- was a long pause there. I didn't sure if I'd <laughs> asked the right question.
1: <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. No, I, I know what you're saying, and but the, no, it doesn't make sense uh, because um, so much tax revenue is generated by oil and gas in the state. Two hundred million dollars to uh, K twelve um, comes from oil and gas, and uh, uh, and the severance taxes, and um, you know the uh, you know the general budget, not just not just tax money, um, but you know when you have one hundred forty four thousand employees in the state that work for oil and gas. You know, they're paying income tax, they're doing sales tax, they're, um, you know, going to restaurants. Um, So the state's getting money from there. Um, 44% of downtown Denver, uh, the office space, is oil and gas related. And so they're getting money from the oil and gas industry through their leases of the buildings, through the employees down there who visit the restaurants. And so it's hundreds of millions of dollars um, that goes into the uh, state budget every year from oil and gas. But you're right. The There's legislators who either don't know or just don't care because they have a, another agenda. Their agenda is, you know, um, placating the Sierra Club and the far left ra- uh, radical environmentalists. So they just don't care. And they just think, well, you know what, if we don't have oil and gas, we'll just develop wind and solar and that'll, you know, cure all of our problems.
0: What I don't get is, you know, that that mentality And it is a mentality. And listen, it's here at the crude life. We say it's almost easier to talk to a brick wall than it is to to someone. Well, it's true though. It's listen. I've got a fourteen year old, and I and I was I raised him. So I, I was a father, and I know what it's like to talk to children. And 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 it's very similar right now. It's very similar. And I'm going to transition to the North Face. Um, I'm, not, I'm sure you followed that a little bit as far as the, the uh, rejecting uh, business from oil-gas companies on, on the grounds that they do not do business with uh, companies that do tobacco, pornography, and oil and gas. And that was the first time I've seen now publicly that oil and gas has got lumped in with tobacco. And I've never seen pornography before. That was a new one, but okay. Um, and by the way, your car does not run on Joe Camels, and your house is not powered by Marlboros. So there's a big difference between tobacco and and oil and gas. Yeah, there's a smokestack, but go take a look, and it's totally different smoke. A lot of that white stuff right. is steam, by the way, people. It's, Absolutely. It's steam. Okay. Um, so uh, but my question is, is that the North Face, and uh, is it VF Corporation, I believe, is the parent company? They're out of Denver. And they have that same kind of bull mentality, blue bull mentality, the blue boulder rolling down the hill, you know? And, um, you know, they just purchased some land outside of of Denver for their private jets to come in. But they've got a whole line of FR clothing. So you've got fire-resistant clothing that not only is made out of the oil and gas products, but your number one client is the oil and gas industry. So, from a shareholder corporate governance standpoint, from a just a sheer who rejects business during a pandemic when everybody's begging for business, it just seems like there is a bigger agenda here that's really well funded at the corporate governor type of level. Now, those are just two examples that I brought in, but I, I, it just seems different. You know, it just seems like there is like a boulder rolling down the hill.
1: Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right, and 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 that's part of the problem is that um, you know Denver Boulder controls the state and and it's the legislature and at the governor's mansion, and they have this anti-business attitude, and again they have an anti-oil and gas uh, attitude and feeling, and and they don't want to do business. They you know they want to divest you know from any um, retirement fund that uh, has oil and gas uh, in, in their portfolio. Um, so, they, yeah, they have a very much anti-oil and gas, anti-business attitude, not just towards oil and gas. You mentioned cigarettes or tobacco. Um, I don't smoke, but you know what? I don't care if people do. That's their choice. But they, they want to control people, and they do it through this type of legislation or this type of business practices.
0: What should Weld County do maybe over on the Grand Junction side where they've got a little bit more natural gas? Um, I suppose down in the southern part, I don't know how much is going down in Trinidad or down in the Pueblo area, but you've got, there's oil and gas all the way across the state now that I'm thinking out loud here. Uh, if, If there's somebody who's maybe friends work in the oil and gas industry or maybe they work in the oil and gas industry and they want to get active finally or they want to have their voice heard, outside of just posting on a social media post, what should what, 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 what do you recommend to people? I mean, do they email you or your staff or the governor, the commission, or what?
1: Yeah, you know, what I've been telling people for the oil and gas industry for the last several years, uh, two years ago there was a ballot initiative, 112, that had like 2,500-foot setbacks and, and, you know, from anything, just about, you know, any irrigation ditch, any building, and there was a concerted effort, and I went um, to defeat that. And for the first time, I saw you know oil and gas really getting into the grassroots. And I went to just about every oil and gas business in my district, and there are a lot, and even some outside. I said, "Look, you need to come down and testify. Not the, not the you know the head of of COGA or the head of API, um, but you need to have um, people." line worker come down and testify in in the senate and house committee meetings and say hey how much oil and gas um affects their lives in a positive way because you get the anti-oil and gas people and they come down and talk oh oil and gas is killing my children or my child and, and it's destroying our neighborhood and it's polluting no we need the line workers to come and say look um I work in the oil and gas industry and it's putting my kids through college or it's uh, paying our health care bills. You know, my neighbors, um, you know, uh, kids play with my kids. And if we if we uh, shut down oil and gas, I have to move. Um, And the same thing, I went to him and said, look, you need to start talking to your neighbors over this ballot initiative. Go to them and say, do you you like us being your neighbors? Do you like your kids playing with my kids? And vote no on this initiative. And, um, you know, uh, and, and start telling what how oil and gas affects you in a positive way and um, and I think it worked because it passed I mean, the, the initiative failed overwhelmingly in the state. there was only like eight counties that uh, supported it and it was like Boulder and a couple of the mountain communities um, so it, it, um, it I think it worked um, and that's what we need to have they need to be active politically and I'm not talking just like you said the CEOs I'm talking, the line workers, the um, uh, you know, the middle management, upper management, everybody needs to um, uh, get involved. In-
0: How about from the state side? Are we at the, um, the non-elected accountability yet pressure where the people who maybe are appointed... And, you know, somebody who works for the education department or people, you know, saying, hey, how come you're not sticking up for the oil and gas industry because they're funding about 90% of your industry? Things like that. You know what I mean? Just kind of the little bit more, uh, I don't know, backhanded ways to get some pressure put in some different areas that because if, if, if they're elected, they're elected. That's, that's, right. that's the way it is. But, you know, if you're appointed or, you know, you, you applied for a job, you're not supposed to be political. At all, you're supposed to really represent the people, you know, type of a thing. So, there's there's, right. there's ways to apply pressure there. That's all I'm wondering if yeah. you're getting to that I point yet. <laughs> no, no, okay. no,
1: not at all. Because um, you, you got to realize the people that are appointed are appointed by a Democrat governor, and even if um, we um, confirm them, doesn't matter. We can because we're in the minority, so they yeah. can be anti. Um, oil and gas on the COGCC, and they still get appointed because the Republicans are in the minority right now, and uh, so that's not really gonna work. And you know, people are so um, no, so separated from the bureaucrats, they have no idea what's happening, what they're doing to them for the most part.
0: And um, well, what worries me in today's day and age is that, um, you know, the, the example we were just talking about, about some of that, you know, just applied pressure in that, um, blowback is real now. Um, the blowback that can come, it, it's well-funded. <laughs> it's It's got right. some force behind it. So, yeah. Yes, it does. Yeah. Well,
1: and, you know, and I think it's more important that, you know, people that are in the oil and gas, like I said, work through their political means. Here in, in Greeley, there was a Democrat in house district 50 and uh, Rochelle Galindo, and she got recalled because she voted for uh, Senate bill 181. She was in the house, but when it made it the there, she voted for it, which was the anti-oil and gas, um, bill that eventually passed. But here's a representative from Greeley that is highly dependent on Weld County is highly dependent on oil and gas that voted for, uh, an anti-oil and gas bill. And she got recalled in, um, because of it. So, there is political pressure that can be put on, and it, I think it comes through the ballot box.
0: Well, I mean, there's certainly some classy ways of doing it, and it's always best to take the high road when you can. But just a few, you know, through our conversation, I've heard of a few ways that the high road was not taken in order to really do some damage to the oil and gas industry. And um, I, I'm not one, to, you know, I'm not an eye for an eye guy, but also I don't like getting picked on too long either. I <laughs> so I I do eventually fight back. So yeah. Well, just, good.
1: Yeah. I I wish um, you know uh, for a lot of times, uh, unfortunately, oil and gas uh, has placated these people. Well, that, and, you
0: know yeah. I, I mean, say, really, at the end of the day, oil and gas is you know the big bad wolf. No matter what they do, because they you right. know ninety six percent of our life is dependent on it. You know, and so they're in a lose lose position a lot of times. You know, they really right. are. And well. Um, and, and, yeah. and I, under, I
1: understand, but yet yeah, sometimes you, you just have to stand up and fight with everything you got. Instead, like you said, the oil and gas industry, I mean, they, some of them, the industry uh, companies gave more money to Democrats than they did to the Republicans for the election. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and then those very Democrats that received that money, as soon as they got in, turned around and um, attacked oil and gas. And they try, oil and gas tries to placate them and go along with them and and, and at some point, you just got to, you know, say, hey, enough is enough. You know, we're either shutting down our operations or, you know, we're going to fight back with everything we got. We're going to take you to court every every chance we get. And um, we're going to fight and we're gonna, we've are we had enough. But, you know, draw that line in the sand and they haven't done it yet.
0: Well, any final thoughts here? I appreciate the time and the access as we talk with Senator John Cook from District 13. Greeley, Colorado is kind of is that is that the big? Big kind of hub there for for your district.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Greeley is um, about one hundred and ten thousand population right now, and and so most of my district is in Greeley, although it runs all the way down to the county line, uh, about uh, forty miles to the south. Um, so yeah, as a matter of fact, Greeley just overtook Boulder in population this year.
0: Oh, you're kidding me.
1: No, nope, no. Nope. Uh, Boulder's losing population, and Greeley's getting it. It's picking it up.
0: Boulder's losing population, but yet their ozone emission, it continues to rise? Yep. <laughs> yes. Yeah, go figure. I mean, that's go a figure. true statement, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, they, 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 I saw that they were number one in the state for for uh, pollution. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that, that's that's interesting. So, are you not Fort Collins, are you?
1: No, no, that's, no. Okay. That's in uh, Larimer County. Okay, my, that's... My, district is solely in Weld there's three senators that represent Weld and mine is exclusively in Weld County
0: I just know they're pretty close and um yes you know geographically but they're certainly very different ideologically that's that's absolutely very you know
1: Fort Collins Fort Collins is trying to out boulder boulder when it comes to uh going left and uh so yes very different ideology
0: well that's what I thought I I, for you know I used to stay in Fort Collins quite a bit, and, and I, I would bring this example up a lot five, six years ago that when I would stay in the breakfast bar, I enjoy talking to strangers in breakfast bars of hotels, especially when I'm out of town. And, you know, a lot of times you can, you know, get some great conversations going because a lot of people are in the same boat you're in. And what I noticed was people started looking over their shoulders before they mentioned that they were in oil and gas five, six years ago. <laughs> And right. that was interesting to me because that wasn't happening really anywhere else. And so I was like, oh, this is a, I've you know, made a mental note of it and everything. And then now we're at where we're at today and everything along those lines. And, uh, how long is the governor there for another, is he there for another two years? Uh,
1: yeah, let's see. He, no. Uh, well, he's only in his second year, so he's got two years and another election a few
0: more. Right. Literally, right.
1: Six years. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, it, yeah, well, assume two, um, well, so, well I, I would think so I mean this is um i, I would assume anybody doing, that but. polarizing wouldn't do well, but that's just who knows who knows but,
1: well uh, when you can spend thirty million of your own money uh, uh to become governor uh it's not hard to win an election
0: oh Man, he's so he's spent. uh self funded like that
1: Yeah, yeah he um he spent thirty million dollars, and he was so funny about it uh, not funny it' was sad several years ago he wrote and funded. Um, political reform um, here in uh, campaign uh, reform, and he pretty much wrote it. And if you self fund, there's no limits on how much you can spend. Right. If you don't self fund, there's a limit on how much you can receive. Uh, like I think it's like for governor, it might be twelve hundred bucks. I can't remember exactly. So if our candidate um, had a good quarter, like say raised two hundred thousand in one quarter, he'd write himself a check for two million. Wow, and so, yeah. So he spent about thirty million of his own to get elected governor, and our candidate was only able to raise about three million.
0: Hmm. In a state that's known historically for being blue, is that right?
1: Well, not
0: historically. As I mean, of fact, somewhere in the nineties it changed, right, or whatever it yeah, was. It, so, yeah, it, 90s, yeah, it, 2000s, yeah, yeah, nineties. Yeah, early two thousands. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, we did have the
1: Senate for four years uh, when I first got elected in fifteen. Um, and then we lost the Senate two years ago, and we only lost one seat this year. We, Democrats thought we'd lose uh, three to five, but we only lost one. So we're yeah. holding our own.
0: Well, one last question, and just because you're, you're in Colorado, you might, you, you, I would imagine at least the conversations would be happening in the cafes and things like that, but has anybody from the environmental wing, whether it's the Office of the Environment or the Bureau of Land Management or whoever – Discussed what the plan is for some of these parks and some of these environmental uh, projects that they have going if they try to get rid of oil and gas? Because my understanding is that the oil and gas industry funds a lot of that stuff. Yeah.
1: Oh, absolutely. They do. Um, no, they have not. They, like I said, I just, they either don't know or don't care. And so, no, they, uh, they don't have stakeholder meetings um, now. The government bureaucracies have it, like the COGCC or the Air Quality Control. They have to have public meetings, but you know these um, environmental groups, no, they don't. They don't sit down and, and talk with oil and gas and and or state legislators to find out, you know, what would happen if oil and gas, uh, you know, picks up and leaves, or if they get regulated out of business here, which is unfortunate.
0: Well, appreciate it you sense. keep keeping up the good fight. You know, former sheriff, so you know you know how to. How to follow the law and and, and, and make the law. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> I'd rather
1: enforce it, to be honest with you, at this
0: point. <laughs> well, and that's what's got to be frustrating, honestly, from your perspective, is that, you know, you are a lawman at the end of the day. And, right. you know, so now you're in the part where you're helping formulate and shape and ma- manipulate and maneuver and that sort of thing when, you know, all the above when it comes to the law. But, you know, you're, like I said, you are a lawman. So it's got to be frustrating at times for you to see this stuff.
1: Very much so, especially um, not only on the oil and gas side, but also um, on the law enforcement side. Because I'm the only one down there that has a law enforcement background, and it's funny how you know everybody down there at the legislature thinks they know how to you know uh, run law enforcement better than the professionals. So that's really frustrating when you see these anti-law enforcement uh, bills that get
0: introduced down there at the uh, at the Capitol. Yeah, don't get me started on those. This um, yeah, yeah that's, um, anyway, but. Well, I appreciate the time today. We'll we'll talk down the line, okay, sir? All right, sounds good. Thank you. Thanks for having me.